Welcome everyone to the Golden Hour. I'm back after a very long hiatus, mostly due to having to take summer classes and I've been pretty busy, aka being lazy sometimes, and I don't really have a mic, but I just got a brand new podcast mic, <clears throat> and this is really exciting. I really want to get this back, back and rolling, and just like before, my channel's about film, music, television, I keep politics out, I keep celebrity views out, except for opinions on another film, I'll probably mention that, but I'm just a pretty straightforward channel, <clears throat> just talking about film, behind the scenes stuff, the production, how to make short films, that's another thing I'm going to be talking more about, and I had a lot of episodes before, but I lost them thanks to uh well, no thanks to uh, the old website I used. I don't know, my account got screwed up, so I lost a lot of my episodes, which really sucks. But um, now I'm back, and I'll be recording exclusively to Anchor, just because it's a pretty reliable website, and I like it. <sighs> and we're going to go from there, honestly. So today's episode, I'm going to talk about something that I've been just as passionate about film, it actually goes hand in hand with film, and that is, pardon me, score compositions. Yes, the soundtracks that accompany your favorite films, all film really. But this is just an appreciation for it because, I mean, I listen to this kind of stuff all the time. I'm always listening to different soundtracks. People who know me know I always listen to the <laughs> the Transformer soundtracks. All right. The movies suck for the most part, but the scores by Steve Jablonski, who's also one of my favorite composers, are absolutely phenomenal. They literally get better after each movie. Like, story-wise and everything else about the movies go down, but the score quality just skyrockets. Like, the last one, The Last Night, has literally the best score out of the five films. And I was pretty disappointed when they did the Bumblebee film because they didn't use Steve Jablonski, and they kind of went with a different style for this music. It's not terrible, it's just different, and it really felt generic to me, which was even more disappointing, because I don't like generic scores, and there are a lot of films who fall off with that, because fall flat with that, just because honestly, I think the producing companies and directors just don't care as much. I don't know, sometimes it's different each time. Sometimes they change composers at the last second, so they don't get exactly what they want. There's a lot of different reasons why it doesn't stand out, or they genuinely think that it is good, when comparatively to other scores, it sucks. Like, um, <clears throat> I know some may not agree, but uh, a majority of the Marvel movies have really terrible soundtracks. They're extremely generic. Sounds like you could just place the music on, on under any other film, and it won't enhance it in any way. It just keep, it just keeps it going. It moves through the film, through the scenes. It doesn't enhance anything. It doesn't enhance the moments. It doesn't feel special in a way, except for two movies. Guardians 1, not 2 because it kind of copied it, and that was a little upsetting, and Black Panther, which won an Oscar, and that was very well deserved. I was so happy when the Oscars let him win it. 
because most of the time when it comes to these best scores at the Oscars, the people who I want to win don't win. And that's because most of the time they'll, they're a little biased and they'll choose a composer that's already won before just because, I don't know, it's easier, even though the quality is not as good as the other competitors. And that happens a lot. Some will even get double nominated. Remember one year, Alexander Duplass was nominated for two movies in one year. I think it was in 2017. And before, he's also been double nominated. I'm just like, what the heck? Why are you doing that? That's not okay. You're losing others from getting the chance of getting the spotlight and appreciation that they deserve or win, for that matter. One of the biggest Oscar robberies I've never forget is Hans Zimmer for Inception. Now, I love Trent Reznor. He's an f- amazing musician, unbelievably talented, just as good as Hans. But that social network score is not better than Inception. <laughs> no one can convince me of that. Inception was groundbreaking and easily one of the most inspirational scores of our modern time. The famous blah. Every action movie copied that from that point on. Every movie wanted to sound like Inception. But first, I want to know, I want to take it back a little bit and go to the beginning. Because the roots of classical music... Sorry, hold on. Because classical music itself has been the root for many other genres like jazz and hip-hop, as some may not know, but I'm sure you already do. Classical is the original form of music. No one thought to put words over the music yet, so that's why it still sticks around, still strong to this day. It may not be as appreciated as much as mumble rappers or other garbage music, but it's still around for a good reason, for, because it's still powerful. It's able to tell a story without using words, Try that out, music artists. <laughs> I consider composers real music artists. <clears throat> the first known forms of music was classical, obviously told. And something you may have noticed, especially with earlier films, was that a lot of the scores are replicated and reused. That's because it wasn't copyrighted, because you know no one listened to it. It was only used for movies. No one thought to listen to it outside of a film. And one thought, wow, Most Dangerous Game was amazing. Let me go home and listen to the score. <laughs> and yeah, because of that, they were they were um, they were not copyrighted, so a lot of directors were just able to reuse it, and it was cheap to do that. And no one really thought to be using original. Um, sorry, I heard some weird sounds. No one thought to use original music yet. For example, the um, the Home Depot theme song, incredibly iconic, and you know the ad without even looking at the TV, but it's actually sampled from Dynasty Crisis of Faust 7-2. You'll see the resemblance. That's today. Now back to the beginning. This, was, this all started adding music to film in the 1910s, because they needed it to, per- to enhance their actors' performances. Recorded sound obviously wasn't possible yet, so they would have live performances accompany the picture screen. Yeah, a live performance right there. You screwed up. It was no going back. 
But once the sound age of sound began, music found a new role in Hollywood. According to Kurt London, film music began not as a result of any artistic urge, but as a dire need of something to drown out the noise made by the projector. <laughs> this was a very common issue back then as cameras were very heavy and extremely loud. This is where music became an effective tool in film. In German cinema, any film buff should know that they house some of the most influential silent films of all time, like Nosferatu. All their films are accompanied by, accompanied by full compositions like Gottfried Huppert's. French cinema scores use a more formulaic style, having the notes of the song in synchronization with whatever was happening on screen. This influenced the more, the more traditional format of how scores <clears throat> are done today. They still use this method, this formulaic style. But everything changed when Max Steiner scored the original King Kong in 1933, which is directed by David O. Selznick, an action film that had a score. This score laid the foundation, the seeds for what the purpose, use, and reason for why they are in film today. Surprisingly, it wasn't until the late 50s when soundtracks became well known. Famous director Alfred Hitchcock comes to the scene and delivers some of the greatest thrillers ever, and they wouldn't be there without their iconic music. Those themes became a staple for that director to have a and it was important for him as a director, extremely crucial in his filmmaking process to have a composer. And it wasn't just last priority or just hire whoever and pay him, send him the footage and then pay him. He, he wanted them in on the process, which is pretty cool. Now back to the history again. From this point, iconic film composers like John Williams, Vangelis, Ennio Morricone, may he rest in peace, absolute legend, Bernard Herrmann, Nina Rota, and more were the ones to pave the way for modern composers like John Williams. Well, he's not really modern, but you know what I mean. John Williams has created Jaws, Superman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, and Jurassic Park. That's a lot of talent right there. If you ever notice Indiana Jones and Superman theme sound alike, Superman is just a sped up version of indie theme. No kidding. Not tarnishing his legacy. Just saying. And now we're going to move on to modern soundtracks. Our digital technology now is so advanced, we don't need real instruments at all anymore. In fact, most don't even use them. It's all done with advanced software and music applications. They can do so much more than what they could then. And the soundtracks have gotten a lot better. All right, hold on. Another um, couple modern uh, composers today that are really good, Steve Jablonski, like I mentioned before, Hans Zimmer, absolute legend, Ludwig Göransson, Tyler Bates. I'm drawing a blank of all times to draw a blank. Marco Beltrami. 
Bear McCrary. He did the new uh, <clears throat> Godzilla soundtrack, and it is unbelievably good. Hans Zimmer, man, that name should sound familiar to you all. He did Pirates of the Caribbean, Last Samurai, Lion King, Batman, Inception, Interstellar, Man of Steel. That's a lot. I would consider him the modern John Williams. According to Hans Zimmer, soundtrack making process starts with writing on paper and making mock-up sounds, basically prototypes to what he will be making. So he and the director can exchange notes and work out the fine tunes of it. Then it comes to software, where he can manipulate any instrument however he wants, and whatever instrument he wants to use. As a composer, they have to be ready to have their music changed at any given instance. Like a director could change a scene, change the, the order of the pacing. And then now the music's got to be sped up or slowed down. If it's not fit, nothing's done, then the music obviously won't sync up. This was a big issue back in the day, because if a scene was edited, they'd have to just rescore, like re-perform the songs. So a lot of money would be spent on that. And so that almost kind of went into the editing process hand in hand as some that wanted to make at least the least changes as possible. Least, the least amount of changes as possible when closing to the final cut of the film so that the composers, they don't have to spend a lot, a ton of money on all these uh, artists and... Uh, Sorry. Orchestrators to recompose the songs or redo them completely. Because that costs money to bring all the the orchestra back, reperform the songs, hourly pay, it's a lot of money that could go down the drain just from changing one scene up. And most of them were recorded with an orchestra. That's how they did it. And most of the composers wouldn't even get a some, in some instances, they wouldn't even know whether the directors liked it or not, and especially if they didn't ask them to rechange things. They probably just kept what they got, and they were like, all right, screw it. But that was way back. It's a lot different now. Sound design is where I think the biggest difference between a good movie score and a bad one. Sound design is not just what you hear. It's how you hear it. This is where soundtracks like Inception and Blade Runner stand out. Both those films carry distinctive sounds and, and themes that are synonymous with the film itself. <clears throat> Inception score is created by sampling the famous song played throughout the film by Edith Piaf, Non Je Ne Regrette Rien. The whole score is created off that song. In the very beginning, it goes boom, boom. Is no je ne regret super slowed down with a couple of uh, notes played on it. And even more interesting, he used another one of her songs when he did the Saving Private Ryan score, which is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool strategy. And another really brilliant strategy that many composers use is known as the shepherd tone. This is where you take part of a song and you shift the frequencies of the highs and lows to give it the impression of an infinite climb of volume 
thus giving the illusion of tension rising. Basically, it makes the sound seem like it's never it'll it won't stop rising. It keeps getting louder and louder, even though it's not. It's just shifting the highs and lows, opposites. Really cool. Dunkirk, also helped by Hans Zimmer, used this strategy a lot to help give its sense of urgency and time, which is a very big theme in in the film itself. And as you see, is how soundtracks can be synonymous with the film itself and the themes that the, even they're telling in the picture can be told just as well in the music itself. He did this in Dark Knight as well, used to help convey the insane nature of Joker, of Joker's character. It's menacing and haunting. It literally makes your heart race. And many other composers use this strategy and kind of copy Hans Zimmer since then. That's not too bad. That's not a bad thing. A lot of people reuse soundtracks sort of in a way, since now most of it's copyrighted by the producing companies. Like most of Hans Zimmer's music is owned by Warner Brothers. They'll just recompose it in a way. I've seen movies where I literally think I'm hearing a soundtrack from another film, but it's just recomposed by their own composer. And that's okay to do. You know, they got to have something to go off of in some instances, in case maybe they don't know how to ex properly explain what kind of music they want in their scene, so they'll use an example. That's perfectly fine to do. A lot of them do it, and that's usually how it goes. So now I bring up some recommendations. All right. <clears throat> My favorite part. We got, of course, anything Hans Zimmer makes. I mean, he did Last Samurai, Inception... Those Interstellar, those are three I recommend first. I can also recommend Ludwig Goransson. He did the Creed movies, and he did Black Panther. And he won an Oscar for that. Highly deserved. He's currently scoring Christopher Nolan's latest film, Tenet, which is unknown release date for now. <laughs> but um, I, I'm very excited for... Uh, I'm very excited to hear how it sounds. Almost any Nolan film, he's very careful with the way he wants his movies to look and especially sound. And anytime a Nolan film comes out, I have that score on repeat for at least a couple years. No joke. I still listen to the Dark Knight score, <laughs> Dark Knight Rises, Inception, of course, and Dunkirk. I love the Dunkirk soundtrack so much. All right, we have John Murphy's. 28 Weeks Later, a very, very tense and gripping score that really pulls you into it. And it's so crazy because the movie's like found footage style, and I hadn't seen the movie before. I listened to the soundtrack. So like what I imagined the movie was until I finally saw it, I was like, man, that is not at all what I envisioned. <laughs> but it's crazy good. The movie Kick-Ass straight up ripped it off and used a lot of their sounds recomposed Danny Elfman and Henry Jackman not terrible idea but it was used in a pretty great way in the yeah in that movie for instance the uh, theme was kind of used in uh, the scene of kick-ass where Big Daddy goes in the warehouse and kills everyone my favorite scene of that film awesome movie by the way definitely check that out and uh, Steve Jablonski the guy I already said him earlier but I highly recommend him he was actually trained by Hans Zimmer himself and it truly shows. For Steve Jablonski, yeah, anything of the Transformers, 
He did Skyscraper, that like diehard wannabe film with Rock Johnson. Not too bad. I recommend it. It's a good listen. All right, let's see. Another one, uh, Tyler Bates. He's very, very good. I'm going to sound so generic saying that for all of them. I'm only recommending the good ones, of course. And he's responsible for 300, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Watchmen. I consider Guardians 1 good. I didn't really like the second one that much, mostly because it just sounded like a bunch of reuse parts from the first one, so I was a little disappointed on that. But his 300 and Watchmen soundtrack are amazing. I was really hoping for him to have done the score for uh, the Watchmen TV show, but they ended up going with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Now, they're very good. I know I wasn't talking kindly of them earlier, but... Yeah, they're very good. They actually did a pretty good job at bringing the music to life in in that TV show. Really good TV show. Another great sci-fi-like composer, uh, Clint Manzel. He's best known for Requiem for a Dream. I think I don't think I need to say more about that film. <laughs> and another one who's a pretty recent uh, talent from the UK, and um, his name is Stephen Price. He did Gravity, Suicide Squad, American Assassin, Fury. He just came out with a new one. I forgot what it was called. AI. Archive. It's called Archive. Brand new. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, he did World's End for uh, Edgar Wright also. But um, best one I recommend there is Gravity. I mean, that was his first debut American Hollywood soundtrack, and it won an Oscar. I was very happy when it won. It was so good. An American Assassin's an underrated one. The movie's eh, but... Yes, of course. Um, let's see, who else? Bear McCrary. He was on a couple of video games like the new God of War. And uh, he also did Child's Play. That was pretty good. Fantasy Island wasn't too bad. I give it a try if you're maybe into the kind of those movies and may like the sound itself. But his Godzilla soundtrack. Now, for the American Godzillas, they used. The first movie used Alexander Duplass, and I thought it was good. It was mostly like a recreation of the 1950s music, yet the film took place in 2014. So it didn't really fit, in my opinion. And it was a little distracting. And it was sort of its own sound, it didn't, which is good. Like I said, I don't like co- them copying each other. Mm. Pardon me. But I don't know. It was very toned down and grounded kind of score. Godzilla is known for being loud and epic. And Bear McCrary came in for the sequel, and it is my favorite soundtrack of 2019, without a doubt. I listened to the uh, the Joker soundtrack and for 2019, because that won best score that year. And Hidor Gautier is really good. But I think she should have won for her Chernobyl, not Joker. I didn't find the Joker one very captivating, like at all, honestly. And the only re- and she won because she's the second co- female composer to ever be nominated. There aren't a lot of female composers, so it's pretty obvious why she won. I'm not shit talking. I'm just saying 
Joker soundtrack was not that good in my opinion. Her Chernobyl, they should have just written Chernobyl instead. Like, I know Chernobyl's not a movie, but like, come on, make an exception, Oscars. Nominate TV scores. There's a lot of good TV scores out there, like uh, Kevin Dixon for um, Stranger Things, really, really good. Jeff Russo for Umbrella Academy, pretty freaking good. Joe Pisano for uh, the Daredevil soundtracks for the show, phenomenal. I don't know why they don't get the recognition they do, but, you know, it's soundtracks. No one listens to them but me, I guess, and filmmakers. I just wish more of it, in a way. More people would, yeah, sorry, more people would appreciate it. Not a lot do. A lot of people think I'm weird for listening to it more than normal music. I got a bag, huh? I got the cash, huh? Yeah, that's what you listen to? How enlightening. <laughs> Just saying. Like, you guys want to listen to that garbage? I'm literally listening to real music. Another good one, composer, Joseph Trapneys. He's known for uh, the Raid soundtracks. Highly recommend. I'm just going down my uh, composer list. Ramin Dejwadi, he did the first Iron Man, which I think is his least, my least favorite of his, but he did Warcraft, that video game movie soundtrack, and it is really good. And Game of Thrones, of course. I mean, what a sad ending to that show. Oh, I didn't even, totally forgot. Marco Beltrami. All right, real quick. World War Z. The Wolverine, Logan, and Ford v. Ferrari. Highly recommend. I used to have a lot of respect for John Ottman. He's known for the X-Men soundtracks. And they're pretty good, except... I watched this video recently of him uh, to res responding to a criticism video of the editing, because he's also an editor for, the, for the mo his movies. Which is pretty cool, you know, you get to control how you want your scenes to look and the music. So you're kind of like doing both, and I feel like that saves them a little money, maybe. But um, I think that's pretty cool, you know, he's an editor and the composer, so he has a lot more control over how he's, he, he does his music. And I remember watching the video, and he responded extremely negatively to the guy who was criticizing his editing work. And, I mean, nobody's perfect. So I kind of lost a little bit of respect for him. Mainly because of that. Just how pretentious he was acting. Like, you're talented, bro. Yes, you're Hollywood status. But, like, just admit the editing was bad. Because it was. Just saying. You had, like, 20 cuts in a two-minute conversation. It's a little too many. Just saying. Uh, let's see. Another underrated uh, music company, London Music Works, UK-based. They're known for doing a lot of... Uh, they don't do many originals, but um, they would do recompositions of a lot of famous songs. They did Transformers, which was really cool. They did the, a couple of the Marvel movies, and they just released a new album of... Uh, they they just recreate music in a pretty in like their own way, give it a little bit of their own twist, and they just released a massive album for the uh, greatest themes from Spaghetti Westerns. Highly recommend. 
give it a shot. If you like westerns, not really my thing, but music's music's always pretty cool. I feel like I'm gonna catch flack for the John Ottman comments. He's good. I just didn't like that way he responded. Felt like he could have been a little more chill about it. I don't know why he got so flustered about a YouTuber criticizing his editing work. Just saying. All right. Um, Junkie XL, he's a bit of an underrated one. He's also known as Tom Holkenberg, which is pretty cool. He's like an artist with two different aliases and kind of releases different music to each of their styles. If you could already probably interpret Junkie XL's more techno-ish, poppy-ish soundtracks. And his Tom Holkenberg is more of his serious soundtracks. He does a lot of superhero movies under the Junkie XL name. I guess it just brings like an attitude to this to the film reading that junkie xl's composition by i don't know but um i think that's pretty neat not a lot of people do that i only know like one music artist who does that uh justin vernon not a composer but uh you know he goes by bonavere or justin vernon and releases vastly different types of music on it uh and yeah, I was going to keep, yeah, it's just a brief episode about uh, my appreciation for film scores and a little bit of, of history about them. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, stay tuned because uh, I'm going to be uploading more episodes very soon. Thank you all for tuning into the Golden Hour. <laughs>